Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the program, we're going to talk about American values. When I say that phrase, what comes to mind for you? What do you think American values are? What do you think they should be? And who gets to decide what American values are? Think about all the conversations that we're having right now about what this country is, or is not. Think of all the tension that has been introduced into that conversation by the era of Donald Trump and the very brusque way he talks about uh, a lot of citizens here in this country, a lot of the values that people hold dear. We want to have a really uh, wide-ranging conversation about the history of American values, where they are now, and of course, we want to hear what you in particular think are American values and what's important. So you're going to want to stay tuned For that conversation, it will get started at about half past the hour. Up first, though, President Donald Trump was back at Twitter again this week, denouncing Iran this time in harsh terms and insinuating the threat of war or destruction at the hands of the United States. Here's what we know. The thin and fragile beginnings of diplomatic ties between the United States and Iran under President Obama have been really frayed in just a couple short years under Donald Trump. What we don't know is how Iran will react to such harsh rhetoric, or if Trump is playing at a dangerous game by trying to distract from the Russia kerfuffle by creating a Twitter dust-up with another adversary. That's where we want to begin the conversation today with Donald Trump and Iran. And joining us to talk more about that is Peter Trumbor. He's a professor of political science at Oakland University. Peter, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. So uh, you and I were talking before uh, the show got started about how this is in one part quite predictable. Uh, President Donald Trump trying to say, look over here, look over here. Don't look at this other thing that might uh, embarrass me. Uh, But there is something different about saying the things that he's saying here about the country of Iran playing in a space where there is a very fragile Detente, I guess uh, you might call it, uh, that we've that we've been able to put together over a pretty long period of time. Messing that up could have really, really awful consequences for this country and other countries in the Middle East. Right, that's absolutely true. So, you know, on the scale of of tweet as distraction, uh, I think what the president did late Sunday night is is in a, a different kind of category. You know, some of the things that he tweets out are obviously intended to change the conversation in ways that that sort of work to his sort of self-preservation interests. Mm-hmm. But this one on uh, on Iran, I think, comes in the context of a a deep and and simmering uh, tension that has the potential to really, I think, uh, spiral in a way that would be disastrous for for the United States for the region, and for Iran itself. I mean, everyone here is in a, a position in which things are more... Um, unstable is not the right word. Um, things are more tenuous than they should be. Unpredictable. Uh, I think unpredictable is fair. Um, what we're trying to do and have been trying to do since we walked away from the Iran nuclear deal, what, about a year or so ago now, mm-hmm. is we have been trying to, by ourselves... Uh, bring sufficient pressure onto Iran to get them to back away in in sort of greater detail from their nuclear ambitions. 
Um, this despite the fact that the Iran nuclear deal was in fact working, that it was a, uh, it was a successful um, multilaterally supported effort to sort of bring Iran into compliance with its international commitments. Uh, by by tossing a hand grenade in the middle of that, the United States has found itself in a position where we re- really are out there by ourselves. And so we've been trying to bring pressure in a variety of different ways. Uh, economic sanctions are due to be reimposed uh, in, in a, uh, basically a period of weeks uh, mm-hmm. escalating through the fall. Um, we have also, though, been trying to put pressure on other countries not to buy Iranian oil. And that's part of the problem. And so... Iran has responded to that uh, both uh, verbally, essentially saying that that if you prevent us from selling our oil, then then we are going to respond in a way that makes it impossible for others to sell oil as well. Mm-hmm. And from Rouhani, the Iranian president, that was something of a, of a veiled threat to close off the, the, the Straits of Hormuz, which is through about about 30 percent of the world's oil supply passes through that, that particular uh, choke point. Um, the leader of the Iranian military was much more explicit, saying mm-hmm. that's exactly what we intend to do. And so this sort of Twitter um, exchange that we've seen over the last two days really is in that context where we have put this pressure on Iran. Iran has responded publicly uh, in a way that the president perceived as a threat. Uh, the president issues an over-the-top threat of his own. And the Iranian leadership responds to that. And, and that's sort of where we are in that war of words. But underlying that war of words are some very real tensions and some very dangerous flashpoints across the region where unintended consequences could ensue if people aren't really careful. Yeah. I, I wonder if the Iranians, given their level of sophistication in these negotiations, and this is not just some uh, country that, that doesn't understand what space it's playing in or what its ambitions might be, might they be looking at at Donald Trump and saying, all right, well, it's just him. This is a guy who is unpredictable, uh, has a big mouth, uses Twitter to to distract from other things, and we aren't going to get sucked into to responding to it. Well, there's a couple of problems with just simply dismissing this as more of the same from the president. And the reason you can't just dismiss it really has to do with the people who are now at top levels of, of, of leadership surrounding President Trump. Uh, the National Security Advisor, John Bolton, the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, both of them are longstanding advocates of regime change in Iran mm-hmm. and are now in a position in which they can move on those policy preferences in ways that they weren't really positioned to do before. There are also those in Congress for whom this has been a longstanding ambition. Um, Secretary of State Pompeo gave a speech the other day, um, I think it was on Sunday, actually, um, talking about Iran policy. And he was introduced by Tom Cotton, a member of Congress, who has long advocated a formal policy of regime change in Iran. Uh, in that speech, Pompeo essentially called on the Iranian people to rise up against their own, their own government. Yeah. Um, and certainly that is seen as the kind of unwanted... Um, meddling in Iranian affairs that the Iranian regime was going to push back against. And so it's not just Trump. There are, there are people in positions to influence the president and influence the course of policy who have long wanted the U.S. to aggressively, militarily confront the Iranians. And that, and that changes the calculation a little bit. And, and uh, is it that uh, Iran could 
could look at this and say, hey, there he's challenging us. We need to show some backbone. We need to show that we won't get pushed around. Or is it even more complex that that they might sort of interpret this as a play at regime change and respond even even more aggressively to it? I don't think that the that the Iranian regime feels itself under any kind of threat, uh, at least internally, right? Um, and for the United States to be able to engineer some sort of internal uprising against the against the government, I think that's pretty unlikely. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that what the the government, the Iranian government, is doing is is understandably standing up and responding in kind to these threats, and they're doing this, I think. Because they have to maintain their own credibility. They mm-hmm. have to maintain their own standing, not just uh, sort of vis-a-vis the United States, but also for their own citizens and also for their own standing in the region. I mean, Iran sees itself, and I think understandably, as the dominant regional power. And they cannot allow that status to be challenged. Mm-hmm. In fact, this is one of the things that, that they explicitly said in their response to the president's threats. And that is that we are the country that is in the dominant position, that we can do these things in the Persian Gulf region that the United States is not going to like. And there's nothing that they think we can do about that. It'd be very difficult for us to prevent the Iranians from taking that kind of action. Mm -hmm. Um, We have seen repeatedly the capability of the Iranian military to close off the Straits of Hormuz. Um, The the shores of that very narrow waterway are lined with... uh, uh, anti-ship missiles. The Iranian Navy has the capability of plant, of seeding that whole area with with mines that can uh, indiscriminately target uh, both commercial ve- commercial vessels and and U.S. naval vessels. Um, so that capability is simply sitting there waiting to be used. Yeah. And for the United States to believe that somehow we could prevent that. Now, could we counter that? Sure, but that gets us into a situation of of of, of u- directly using military force against the Iranians. Yeah. So uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Peter Trumbor. He's a professor of political science at Oakland University. We're talking about President Donald Trump's recent tweet about Iran. Very stern threats that uh, the president included in those tweets. Is it just a method of trying to distract people from what's going on with Russia or is something deeper at play here? And perhaps is there something deeper that's possible here in reaction from the Iranians? Is this a space uh, where the president can safely uh, act as a distractor or is he flirting with real conflagration or the potential for real conflict with Iran and destabilizing not just Uh, that country and the relationships with the United States, but other countries in that region. If you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. What do you think about what the president said about Iran? What do you think he's up to uh, in that regard? Uh, The number, as always, on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Michael on Facebook says, Trump continues to show his inability to grasp history, sees everything in terms of business dealings, bluffing, boasting, lying. All is acceptable in order to make the deal. That said, no one has the slightest idea of what the deal is because meeting him at any point will mean the deal changes. Those supporting him do so because he's loud, disrespectful, and disrespectful and unrepentant. They have chosen to support everything that America has worked 
to not be. Uh, thank you for that comment, Michael. Jennifer on Facebook says foreign policy by tweet is frightening. Threats over social media make Trump appear weak and ignorant about how government works. The last thing we need is to destabilize yet another Middle Eastern country. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Peter, I, I wonder how hard it might be for us in the future to, to go back to the space where we're actually engaging uh, the Iranian leadership in trying to move to a better space because of this. I mean, there's, there's always that sort of question about, do you get a couple of uh, free passes really at, at mistakes uh, and, and still maintain your ability to, to, to go back and, and fix it? Yeah, so these are pretty significant mistakes. And I think this is going to take more time to repair than, than we might want it to. Mm-hmm. So what, what the president has managed to do in the last 18 months has really been to dismantle American credibility. Um, and he's done so in a variety of ways. Uh, he's done so by essentially reneging on deals that prior administrations had made. And, and again, this is something that is, that is relatively unheard of. Um, it is the norm for when there is a change of government, not just in the United States, but other countries, mm-hmm. that, that you commit yourself to sticking with even agreements you might not have, you might not have liked. Right? But the fact that, that this is a commitment of the government is not something that, that successor governments typically will walk away from lightly, the, the way that President Trump has mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. Um, our credibility is challenged not just because of walking away from these, these other commitments, but in terms of how we have been treating our allies, um, and also in terms of this sort of incessant flood, <clears throat> excuse me, of of threats the president makes, and yet fails to deliver on. And now, now does that mean that that every time the president threatens fire and fury or mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. destruction like the world has never seen, that we should want him to follow through on that? On that, no. The problem, though, is that when you constantly make those bluffs, each time you do it, the next one becomes that much less credible. Yeah. And this is something we long understood with North Koreans, right? The North Koreans had this real talent for the over-the-top threat, which, frankly, no one really took seriously. Um, The United States has not really ever been in that position Mm -hmm. until now. Mm -hmm. So. Even if we wanted to reach out to Iran under this administration or, say, a subsequent administration once the Trump era is over, um, it's going to take some time for international partners, whether they are, are previously allies or current adversaries, it's going to take, take time for them to believe that the United States will, in fact, once again stick to the commitments that it makes. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the real damage that Trump's foreign policy has done so far. It has eroded the foundations of American credibility. And and what about the idea of uh, of internal change in places like Iran? Uh, you know, Iran is a country that is changing from the inside yes. pretty rapidly. Yes. You've got a younger generation uh, of Iranians who I think probably look a little more favorably toward the idea of Western culture, uh, certainly Western economics uh, they, they're, they're, they're interested in. Uh, does, this, does this interfere with that process of change? Does this interrupt uh, the, 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 the goodwill, I guess, that, that, uh, that might be used to forge a better relationship in the future? That's absolutely true. I mean, if you look one of the side effects of walking away from the nuclear deal 
was that we cut the legs out of the moderates in the Iranian system, mm-hmm. and we gave further ammunition to the hardliners. Um, the Iranian public in general, I think you characterize correctly, it is, it is younger, educated, slightly more secular, but mm-hmm. certainly more Western-looking than the older generation mm-hmm. that's currently represented in leadership. And this has been one of the consistent storylines over the last 15 years or so, has been the the efforts on the part of the Iranian regime to marginalize that moderating change that's happening in Iranian society. Yeah. Um, if you remember back to the was it the uh, Obama's first term and the uh, uh, there was a pro democracy movement in Iran that the United States sort of stood back from and and we didn't get we were not vocal about uh, extending support or mm-hmm. encouraging. And Obama took a lot of criticism uh, about that decision from, uh, in particular, from conservatives and Republicans uh, and foreign policy experts. And, but in hindsight, I think the president made the right call then. Hmm. I think one of the things that the Iranian regime has very skillfully done is it has taken outside interference, outside influence, and particularly American uh, interference, and has used that as a way to rally support for the regime and to undercut um, democratic reformers. Yeah. And so the extent to which the United States is seen as, as trying to manipulate the Iranian public, um, either through the kind of speech that the Secretary of State made this weekend, uh, or by speaking in favor of, of reform movements and reform politicians in Iran, I think we actually set the, our own interests back by doing that, mm-hmm. uh, I think Iran has got a greater potential to reform if we leave the reformers to make the case for themselves, and and they had been successful doing that. There are things that we can do to support them right. that don't seem to be the kind of heavy-handed interference the United States has been guilty of in the past. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's again three one three five seven seven one zero. One nine is the number on the phones. Let's go to Muhammad in Dearborn. Muhammad, welcome to Detroit today. Well, I'm in Livonia, not in Dearborn. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my uh, my question is: um, you are not talking about the Israeli factor. The Netanyahu, for the longest, has been an advocate of uh, the United States or Israel uh, destroy the uh, the Iranian uh, uh, nuclear uh, reactors. Uh-huh for the longest. And I believe um, Netanyahu is pushing uh, Trump because of their uh, good relationship with them, that the United States will do the dairy work for Israel. And as you see, the Israeli uh, hitting some what they call military um, uh, bases in Syria uh, every now and then, calling them Iranians because they don't want Iran to be on their borders. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... um, you know, I, I can't understand why not uh, the United, why the United States actually want to do that their work and mm-hmm. get us into another war. Mm-hmm. The other factor, the, the other thing that we are talking about, the Professor just mentioned about the reform in Iran. Iran, with all uh, its uh, problems, Iran is a um, uh, quote unquote democracy. They have elections uh, every now and then. They have term limits for their presidents. And we call him an adversary in the Middle East, uh, while uh, Saudi Arabia, which is a monarchy, a dictatorship, that is, yeah. uh, <laughs> meddling in everybody's business in the Middle East, and we call him you know, an ally. Yeah. 
I think, you know, these are uh, double standards because Iran has their own ambitions in the Middle East as, as much as Israel or the United mm-hmm. States mm-hmm. and everybody else. Yeah. Uh, I'm not defending the Iranian uh, regime, but at the same time, if you want to compare apples to apples, okay, this is actually is not a comparison. Yeah. Mohammed, thanks very much for the call and the great insights there. Peter Trumbor, I'll give you a chance to respond to what he's saying. Well, yes, I think that uh, Mohammed raises two really good points. Um, when we talk about this idea of what are the potential sort of flashpoints in the region, then obviously one of those is the relationship between Israel and Iran. Um, if you sort of look at the very short list of, of international leaders who were supportive of Trump's threats on Sunday night, mm-hmm. at the top of that list was Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, one of the persistent advocates of American military action against Iran has been the Israeli government over the last several years. And so we have to understand that Israel has its own interests in seeing the United States handle this problem for them. So, so Mohammed's right. That's a problem. That's an issue. Uh, Mohammed is also right in terms of thinking about Iran as having a, an existing institutional basis for moving in a direction that is a more recognizable form of democracy than what many countries of the region, of that region, have. Um, Iran has a competitive democratic system mm-hmm. that's overlaid by this sort of authoritarian theocracy structure. Um, the two things, sort of, the two aspects of the Iranian political system kind of um, are unnaturally sort of welded together. But that democratic structure beneath the authoritarian control of the clerics is in fact very vibrant and it is competitive Mm -hmm. and it serves as a a much more sort of reasonable basis for meaningful democratic change than any kind of internal political structures that exist in a place like Saudi Arabia, as Mohammed points out. Yeah. Okay. Peter Trumbor, professor of political science at Oakland University. Always great to have you here to help us understand these great complex foreign subjects here on Detroit Today. Well, thanks. I enjoy coming down. Yeah. Up next, we're going to talk about what it means to be American. What are American values and are they changing? Also remember, next Monday, July 30th, we are going to continue our Detroit Today Summer Book Club events with an event at the Dorothy Bush branch of the Warren Library. Uh, We're going to talk about the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond. We're talking about housing insecurity issues all over southeast Michigan uh, using that book as a foundation. We're going to talk about court-ordered evictions in Warren. Warren is a top 10 place for court-ordered evictions in America. Uh, Come out and talk about the book, talk about housing insecurity, and join the book club. Also, don't forget, if you miss any of the show, you can always go download uh, the Detroit Today podcast. Take us with you. Listen when you are ready. We'll go right back with more Detroit Today.